0: Women Taking the Lead,
1: episode 142. No matter what, believe that truly anything is possible, even when a little bit of doubt is going to creep in, allow that. Don't fight it. Don't say, don't push away emotion. I wish I would have gotten that a lot sooner, is when something shows up, fear or doubt or being the inner self-critic is to allow that emotion to show up and say, okay, so here you are. What is it that you want from me? How are you
0: here to serve me? And let's walk through this together. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognize to reserve your spot in our upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work you do. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Michelle Dutro, who is the founder of Inner North Star, her blog and soon-to-be online course site, and the Game Changer podcast. A military veteran by the age of 22, Michelle joined the fire department at age 35 despite her petite 5-foot-4 frame. And the fact that most firefighters are men didn't bother Michelle. She was determined to pursue her dreams. Michelle has also spent more than a decade working in the field of preventative medicine, which has spurred her to emphasize the importance of good health as she works to inspire and motivate others to pursue their passions in life. Michelle, that's just a teeny intro for everyone. So tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings. Well, thank you for that intro. I appreciate that. Um, You know, I was
1: raised by my mom, so single parent, and I don't have any siblings, so it was just the two of us. So it was, um, you know, certainly a beginning that one would question how it is that I ever became so chatty and talkative. Most of my teachers thought that I must have a family of 10, and I constantly am trying to fit a word in edgewise, which clearly is not the case, but it certainly never stopped my talkative behavior, probably why I have a podcast now. So that's kind of a little bit about my early days and my upbringing. You certainly highlighted a bit of my career and my past. I've also been in sales on and off throughout my uh, professional career. And as you mentioned, I have a podcast, a blog, a book, and online course that are long overdue that hopefully will get done here in the very near future. I currently live in Southern California and my daughter just moved in with me who graduated from college who is currently looking to become gainfully employed. So now you are currently, (laughs) up to date.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. You know, I'm looking at your picture here because we're recording via Skype and you don't look like you have a daughter who could have possibly graduated from college and is now looking to be gainfully employed. Oh, that's very kind of you. I actually have
1: two. One is uh, going to be a sophomore in college. And like I said, uh, Madison just graduated. So
0: thank you. Awesome, and you know, Michelle, it's amazing the background you had and have had, and the different experiences that you've gone through. You know, reading your bio, it's hard for me to imagine that for a moment you ever had a playing small moment, given that you were you were a veteran by the age of twenty two, and then you went on to become a firefighter. And I'm five foot four, so I know how short we are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so but. Is there a playing small moment? And if you have one, share with us that story and the lessons you've learned.
1: You know, that's a little bit challenging for me because that's really not in my DNA. It never has been. I'm going to go back again to, you know, grade school. It was funny when my daughters, you know, had their own struggles going through school. I brought up my uh, parent-teacher reports literally from first grade all the way on. And I sat with them when they were probably in maybe third and sixth grade. Uh, reading what every single teacher said about me, and I'll just give you one, and it really does encompass the whole of my life. And every teacher said the same thing of me all through school. And it would be things like, um, so uh, Michelle was brought to the front row of the class uh, within the first week of school because she can't seem to stop talking. And further, when uh, interrupting her of saying, "Hey, obviously whatever you're saying, you feel is so important, Maybe you want to come up here and teach the class. To which I would say, oh, thank you. Finally, yes. And I would walk up front of the class and say, everybody, look, I'm sure you heard what she was trying to get across, but let me reword this a different way because I think, you know, we're missing the point here. To which then I'd be sent to the principal's office because then it was, no, I really didn't want you to teach the class. Uh, now you're just being obnoxious, which I, I wasn't, <laughs> right? But my my in life is constantly looking around saying, where, where are people getting distracted, and how are you missing this, and why are you showing up bored, because this actually should matter, and in trying to be a bit of a bridge between what is going on over here and what's being received over there, and just rewarding it a different way so that, you know, maybe it's a little more entertaining or a little more fun or a little more inspiring. So that's been, that's been my MO my whole life, and certainly, you know, like I said, with teachers who never were very amused with me, never bothered me in the least, so... I don't really have a lot of uh, playing small. I'm sure plenty of people in my past wish that I did.
0: And you're a highly conscious person, Michelle. So I'm sure you've reflected on this because you must recognize that most people you interact with in the world don't have that same um, constitution, for lack of a better term. What do you think um, is, is the mindset that you had that was different from everybody else that allowed you to just know that you know, you belonged, you had something to say, and you were going to say and do, you know, what it is that you were here to say and do.
1: You know, there is, uh, uh, and I love these types of questions because I think everybody has. And if you spend enough time, you know, just really in contemplation, you'll find what those pivotal moments are. I'm not going to get into the details, but I was in seventh grade walking home and had a, from three girls, Uh, I I would rattle their names off right now. They're etched into my memory, truly will be to the end of time. And it was a pretty good bullying scene. Just imagine that. And so in that moment, on the rest of my walk home, by the time I got home, I had made that decision that never again would I ever allow anyone to be treated the way I was treated, ever. And it, it really was a turning point for me on... I do believe that it is far worse. It's one thing to be mean to somebody. Maybe you were raised in such a way and you don't know any better. It's a whole different thing to witness someone being treated badly, know that that's not acceptable or shouldn't happen and allowing it to go on anyway. That is the most intolerable form of evil I can imagine. And so for me from that day on, it really was and has been my mission of making sure, especially those people that don't have a voice, I'm a big animal advocate for this reason. And typically like just what you're saying, women are usually the ones who are not going to be the ones to speak up, are not going to be the ones to make waves and And so more often than not, I will wind up being a voice for anybody who I see isn't speaking up the way they should until they can gain enough strength to do that for themselves. And it's literally, it's been like that since I was, since that uh, incident in seventh grade.
0: Yeah. And what about before that? Because your teachers had already, (laughs) you know, from a very small child had already said, you know, she, she has this gusto about her. And and it's not, you know, in toddlers, you definitely see it. They're like, ta-da, yes. I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, come see me. But typically around like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, girls get quiet.
1: Yeah. So, you know, my my thing really was in being helpful. Like I said, I would sit as the teacher's talking and look around the class. To this day, I do it in seminars and lectures, spend my time looking around the audience and saying, you know, who's not paying attention? Who's on their phone? How much is this speaker connecting with their audience? Why or why not? But from the beginning, it's been this. So it really is in looking around saying, how can I help? How can I help this teacher? Clearly, they don't want my help. I assume that they would, but it's how can I help? reach this audience to a a better and more effective degree than what's currently happening. And so that really is it. I think that there's a lot of things that we inherently are born into this world with. And then there's things that we can tweak and get better and fine tune. But at the end of the day, everybody shows up with with one specific gift. And then how that plays out may be different for each of us, but there's a thing that's your thing. Mine, and I get questioned a lot about this for my resume of saying, how do you go from the military and then you're a firefighter and preventative medicine? The common thread through all of that is my constant in the back of my head asking, how can I show up in greater service than what I am right now? How could I be of more assistance or more help? And that's all, that's just been there from the beginning of time, which is all I was doing in school, right? Is looking around saying, how could I help this teacher reach these students more effectively? And I, you know, literally it just is, it's been that way my entire life. I don't know anything different from that.
0: Wow, it's amazing you brought that up because I just had C.S. Wurzberger on in episode 140 and we were talking about about this specifically and generally um, the, t- the topic was is there's no lack of confidence when you're mission driven. Correct. Right, when you have a mission, it doesn't matter if you feel confident or not, you just do it. You don't even think about whether or not you're confident enough. There's something that needs to be done. You're compelled to do it. And so you just do it. It's it's just not
1: an option. It's not, whatever you are, whatever you do, whatever your purpose in this life is, it simply is not an option. It's like an option of, I wonder if I should inhale. Well, okay. It's not, it's not an an option. It's just what you do. It's just what you do. Birds don't sit on a branch. As soon as their feathers are full enough to be able to fly, there's no contemplation they just go. There's no contemplation. They're here to fly and they fly. And it's like that with all of us. It's just tapping into who are you and why are you here? That's my work now in life is helping people find that what is your purpose and your mission? And it's not finding it really. It's remembering what that is and going back far enough to say, remember back in the day when you really were fired up, when there were things that you just absolutely loved doing. And then society or maybe parents or other beliefs, culture gets in the way and buries that. And we kind of forget who we are and what our purpose is. And once you go back and rediscover that, you know, really then your, your possibilities in your life is limitless.
0: Limitless. Oh my goodness. We could go on and on. I love this topic, but I want, I also want to hear about um your wake-up call, right? For some people, it's like a bolt of lightning that hits them. It's that moment. And for others, it's an awakening. You know, the, the universe, however, whatever you want to describe it, you know, your environment just keeps sending you messages or it's a slow awakening. But usually there's a moment um, when you're ready for action. So share with us that moment and the steps you took that led to your success?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be your most unfavorite guest. So let's just put that out there right now. (laughs) It's impossible, Michelle. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Because you're not going to really like my answer to this either. Because... for me, um it really has been a way of life and I don't wait till January 1st, I don't wait until, you know, some other date on a calendar to reevaluate or revisit where I'm at or what I'm doing. The military, I get asked a lot because I'm a bit rebellious and so typically somebody going in the military with no background. I don't have any family members or friends. I know nobody at that point who'd ever even gone into the military. But I was, truly, I was in college and I was spending more time playing volleyball on the beach in Santa Barbara than I was attending classes. And so I thought, what is wrong with you if you don't get any discipline? Truly, you're not going to have to become a professional volleyball player. What is going to become of you? And I sat there and it's just my, how my mind works. If you need more discipline, where are you going to find more discipline? How's, who's going to instill that? And I thought, well, the military does, I suppose. Okay. Well, out of all four branches, who do you think would really instill the most discipline? And I thought, well, that would be the Marine Corps. I'm going to go join the Marines. And truly, the only reason I didn't, and I went into the Air Force instead, was because the Army and the Navy and the Marines all had a six-year commitment, and the Air Force was four years. And I thought holy cow, if I can't commit to four years of college, how the heck am I committing to six years of the military? So that was the only reason was because the Air Force was only four years instead of six. Otherwise, I would have joined the Marine Corps. I still quasi kind of regret that decision. But um, that my whole life is in constant evaluation of how could you show up better? How could you be better? How could you do more? So I don't have a landmark epiphany. It's It's an everyday occurrence of is there something you could fine tune like the fire department In that same evaluation of how could you be in greatest service, well, people who are dying probably need more help than maybe most. At first it was, I could become an ER doctor, and then, well, that's gonna take too much time. Maybe an ER nurse. Well, who's more helpful than that? The person that's gotta make the person survive before they even get to the ER, well, that would be a firefighter EMT then after that it really was that fine tuning again am i doing what's best and i would spend the majority of these times on medical calls going through people's kitchens saying what are you eating why are we here for the third time this week on a diabetic you know seizure this is ridiculous and So I would spend my time saying, let's talk about your lifestyle, and the rest of the crew saying, Michelle, we are not life coaches. We're emergency medicine. We're in and we're out. And they were exactly right. There's a time and place for everything. And in my fine-tuning of am I showing up in the best way possible, and I thought, you know, my side of the fence is not responding to emergencies. My best purpose is Um, Really educating people to avoid emergencies to begin with. And that's in all walks of life, not just physically, but, you know, from having a, a mental breakdown or, you know, stress just completely take you out of your game or really wind up manifesting in some kind of physical disease. In that fine-tuning process, it was, you know, I need to shift gears, jump on the other side of the fence to prevention to help people avoid all this from happening. So I don't have a, a landmark, this is the day where, boom, I decided to do this. It, it literally is an everyday question. Are you showing up in the best service in the greatest way you possibly can? And if not, what could you do to shift that to become even better? So
0: Yeah, and you see, you still are not my un- most unfavorite guest because <laughs> you, may- you make a really great point in that if you're taking time ref- for reflection every day, you don't have to rely on those epiphanies or for the universe to send you message after message after message where you finally suddenly get it. You know, just every day you're taking a look at what you're doing and you can tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and, tweak it. and always know that you're on the right path. Right. And, and, you know, this is a, this is a really critical one
1: because I do show up in life pretty assertive, pretty confident, pretty aggressive, pretty bold. All these are words that I have been told throughout my whole life. So it's, it's typically another big mind shift to say, how is somebody who shows up this way, a yoga instructor certified in yoga nidra, which is guided meditation, spends time in meditation. How in the world can both of those, you know, kind of like a yoga ninja, how can those two survive on the same platform? And for me, I don't know how you can show up in life on point being a really great critical thinker in the moments that you really do need it the most. If you don't have time every single day without input, not being on a phone, not at a computer, not with the radio or television or anything else, and in complete stillness of getting real with you in that moment every day for a period of time. And if that's not happening, I can promise you every minute of the day, you are showing up as a lesser version of yourself because of it. It, it, I don't think there's anything more critical than if there was one piece of advice that everybody does is exactly that. And if you're even just starting out with 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes, but it's just lack of input. And I'm not even going to go down the deep end of what meditation has to look like or what it has to be. Just know it's no input for a period of time every day to really start to get clear, crystal clear with who you are, what you value and what matters to you in life.
0: Great segue because what I want to know about you next, and I'm really curious to hear your answer on this, is your leadership style. Because, you know, I think oftentimes we get off track when we're trying to emulate who we think is a great leader, but, you know, we can admire somebody, but we might have different personality traits. We might have different strengths. We might look at the world differently than that person. So our own style, just like you said, you need, it's almost like you need no input for a while, go within and kind of discover your own leadership style so that you're bringing your best self forward. So Michelle, how would you describe your leadership style? Bold. Boom. Very bold.
1: period. I, I don't mince words. I don't hold back. There is nobody that will ever say, oh, you know that Michelle Dutro, I wonder where she stands on that. She's always so vague. We're never quite sure. Nope. Nope. <laughs> that's never going to be said about me. There's never been a time of, oh, was she at? Was she in that uh, party? Was she at that conference? I don't know. I didn't really hear her. Nope. That's also not going to be said. So uh, bold, uh, outspoken, uh, confident, all of those things, again, but it all boils down to, unless you have complete clarity about who you are and why you're here, that's very challenging because it's it's impossible to show up without clarity, not really sure of who you are, and then throw that out in a bold way. It just doesn't
0: make any sense. I like that. You know, I had a boss previously who was, would have been described the same way. And, you know, at first it was really intimidating because you don't find many people who will just say what's on their mind or say it exactly the way they're thinking mm-hmm. it. And so it was intimidating at first, but I grew to appreciate that I always knew where she stood. Right. You know, there was and she was not unkind. I think sometimes people think a, a person who is bold and direct is going to be unkind. And actually some people become unkind and then call it being bold and direct. And I think they they're misusing the words or they don't really know what they mean. Bold just means like you're not held back. Correct.
1: And, and I'll tell you, and this is, I'm glad you said the word kind because there's a very big difference between being nice and being kind. Those two words are not the same or synonymous at all. Mm -hmm. kindness for me is I want to see you succeed. I want you to be the very best you can be in this lifetime, period. Like I said, my mission is to help you discover why you're here and then don't hold back and go live it to the fullest extent because you have an obligation in this lifetime to share whatever your gift and talent is. There are people in this world right now in this moment who are depending on it. So you're letting them down by holding back. I have zero tolerance for that because it's an obligation for you to share your gift gift, your true talents in the world. So kindness for me is saying, listen, I believe in you so much right now and I will hold this space for you until you do, but we got to get there. And my directness and my boldness and my in-your-faceness really, I think, is the true definition of kind because if if I just were, if I was being nice, oh, you know what, I'm placating you. I understand why you want to hold back. I understand, maybe take some more classes, maybe read some more books, you know, and I don't want to say anything to hurt your feelings. So then you just stay stuck and you don't really go anywhere in life. Okay, okay, how is that kind? I don't think that's very kind in my book when you are helping somebody, when you're an enabler for somebody not really recognizing their true gift. I think true kindness is, I see you for who you are even when you don't, and we're going to get there. And I'm not going, we're not going to take time walking. We're going we're gonna to hit the ground running, and you're going to see that you are fully capable of every single thing that this life holds for you. That's kindness to me, is, is truly seeing somebody for who they are. Um, like I said, even when they don't, and not being an enabler of, of somebody staying stuck or somebody playing small, I I I just won't have it. I I won't have anybody in my periphery. If you're in my world, in my space, in my circle of
0: friends, playing small is simply not an option. It's just not. It's not. And you know, there there's many different things I I could add to it, but the one thing um, that comes to mind is, and my mom listens to this podcast, so she's probably going to laugh at this. My mom hated to say no to us, like when we asked her for something or to do something or to come to some event. She never wanted to say no. So she would always say maybe, or I'll think about it. And what ended up happening was we, we kept having to follow up and follow up and follow. Are you coming? Are you doing this? Are you wh- what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And she would just be like, Oh, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it, think about. It. And finally, when I got old enough to like realize what was going on and ask her straight out, I was like, you can say no. Right. In fact, it's more painful When you say maybe, because you don't want to hurt my feelings, you're actually hurting me. (laughs) Okay. And that made a perfect point on being nice.
1: I just want to be nice and I don't want to say no to you. So I'm being nice. When in reality, the kindest thing she could have done was given a direct, decisive decision and then you can now plan accordingly
0: because of it. Yeah, I would have moved on 100%. and and not thought about it another time. But for it, sometimes it would go on for weeks where I'd have to it was like this thing in the back of my head where I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. I have to ask her I have to follow up now I got to ask I don't when is she going to make that decision what's going on but you know, it was just like rip the band-aid off move on we're all good. That's it. And that, that is just that example is the perfect. It's one that
1: I'm going to start using the perfect definition between being nice and being kind. You're trying to be nice, but if you were kind, you would tell me the truth of what this situation is so that I can get my life moving in a forward direction and not waste my time over here by all these niceties that are holding me back.
0: Yeah, love that. All right, Michelle, and I know you're bold and confident, but, you know, bold and confident people face challenges too. So what is the biggest leadership or business challenge that you're faced with right now? Paperwork and
1: organization are not my friend. I was just on a podcast a couple hours ago, and and we're talking about it's one thing to um, know that you're on the right bus. It's another thing to know that you're on the right seat on the right bus, and I said, for everybody in my past who's ever thought, you know, Michelle should she be much better off if she would just sign up for an Excel uh, spreadsheet class? No, in fact, that's a monumental waste of uh, people's money and my time. That's not my gift, and and in business, it's the area that winds up being most challenged. Is everything that requires a lot of linear thinking is is problematic, and while you can. Um, farm out a lot of those tasks. There are some things that really you do need to be responsible for on your own. And it's the things that holds me back because I hate doing them. So I put them off for so long that then it winds up being a problem. Like the fact that I filed for an extension on my taxes this year, just because I, d- I just don't feel like doing them. That's that's really not okay. It's really actually not okay. Um, so that that is by far my biggest downfall is anytime somebody says, hey, and about this paperwork, oh, I just want to stick my fingers in my ears. So
0: Yeah, I hear you. And it is important to recognize where we're not talented where we don't have any interest so we can delegate that out. Give it to somebody else who enjoys that kind of work so we can get on and double down on the things that we are good at, interested in, and passionate about.
1: Exactly. And that task that would take me three hours would take somebody else 10 minutes because I just, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just can't, (laughs) I just can't, I just can't do it. I will look up every social media app and what's going on in the world. And oh yeah, here's that paperwork again. And oh my gosh, I think my laundry needs to be done. It's just foolish. So yes. (laughs)
0: Agree- Good point. Agree- <laughs> and on
1: the flip side of things, what are you working on right now that you're really excited about? I am really excited about getting this online course and book finish that should have been done about five years ago. So that is my biggest thing. Uh, The online course is kind of a life reboot, sort of what we're talking about here is it's really designed for people that feel stuck or they um, are not sure what they're doing in life. Maybe they have been a wife and a mom uh, the majority of their life and aren't really sure what is in this lifetime for them. They've spent their whole life in service of somebody else and now is maybe their time of saying, okay, now why? am I here and not even knowing the first place to start. So that's really the point of this online course is how to kind of hit the reset button for your life and reformulate it around why you're exactly here. And the book is sort of similar, um, but it really is, after being a life coach for more than a decade, is the the main fundamental points of what I think it takes to really create a life that is on point, on mission, and on task for specifically why you're here and provides great clarity for you to be able to figure that
0: out. I love that. All right. Now we're heading into a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that you have that helps to make you a better leader? Meditation, hands down. Mm-hmm. And you, you've already expanded on that, so I won't belabor the point. I loved the answer you gave. So what is one book that you would recommend to another woman to help her develop her leadership?
1: You know, it's going to sound odd, but it is Victor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning. And obviously, it's going to sound odd because it's a man who wrote this as a psychologist in a concentration camp. But what it speaks to is in any environment, in any circumstance, you always have the ability to choose your own attitude, and no one or nothing can ever take that away period, bar none. And for women to realize that no matter what you're surrounding, no matter what your situation, if you're in a male dominated career field, no matter what it is, you have the right to choose how you are going to show up no matter what. So that would be, that's why my recommendation, and it's the single thing that I wish every woman like just would own and embody that no one gets to take that from you.
0: I think that's a perfect recommendation. I use Viktor Frankl in the workshops that I do. He is, I mean, you read that book just in awe Mm -hmm. of what he was capable of. As we all are, right? right? But as we all are, yes. Right, absolutely. And it had nothing to do with what he was doing so much as who he was being. 100%. And it was was a game changer, not to be cliche about it, but it was, absolutely, love it. And Michelle, what advice would you give your younger self? no matter what,
1: believe that truly anything is possible. Even when a little bit of doubt is going to creep in, allow that. Don't fight it. Don't say, don't push away emotion. I wish I would have gotten that a lot sooner is when something shows up, fear or doubt or being the inner self critic is to allow that emotion to show up and say, okay, so here you are. What is it that you want from me? How are you here to serve me? And let's walk through this together. That as a, as a older version of me, I wish I would have figured that out a lot, a lot earlier.
0: Right. Using the emotions as signals rather than as like making a lot of meaning out of what it means to be experiencing a quote unquote negative emotion.
1: Yeah. And not to push it away because as soon as you do, right, that's when it's just going to keep showing up over and over and over again. And to really say, why is this, why is this feeling showing up and how is it here to serve me? Yes.
0: Awesome. And Michelle, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you.
1: You know, I, it's probably the one that I refer to the most and it's one that is on the forefront of my, it's on the wall as soon as you walk into my house. It's the quote by Gandhi, which is your thoughts lead to your actions, which lead to your habits, which lead to your character, which ultimately lead to your destiny. And so for me, that quote or that mantra is, if you're thinking about your destiny, what your legacy will be, it all starts with, what are you thinking about right now? Because every single thought right now is contributing to what your destiny is. So choose your thoughts wisely. And lastly, Michelle, what's the best way for this community to connect with you? The best way is my main website, even though the my podcast is the Game Changer Podcast, my blog that goes with that and everything that goes on in my world, the, like I said, the book, the online course, and everything else, can be found at Inner North Star, just like it sounds inner northstar.com. And the reason I even chose that website is the same thing on this meditation point. If you are looking for an answer, I can assure you it's actually not in a book. It's not going to be found in a movie, on television, or even on either one of our podcasts. The answer to whatever it is that you're looking for resides within you right now. And even that North Star that's external that keeps you guided to your true north, that also exists within you to
0: keep you on task and on point for where you're meant to go. I love that. And for those of you listening, and I know oftentimes you're on the go, you're running, or you're in the car, don't worry. You can find all the links to find Michelle and all the resources she shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Mm, Truly my honor. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life? Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognized to reserve your spot in my upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work that you do. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate.